Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, I can't do a review because I don't have the slides, so let me, uh, let me start by reading a scripture to you. Man, I didn't realize how dependent I am on those things. I even still have my notes with all this slide one, slide two, and go through that. And uh, Let me read 2 Corinthians 10 to you, verse 3 through 5. Again, we've been doing this study that started clear back at the uh, beginning of summer in June and about God taking us through things and then about from Isaiah 61 about how he did come to set the captives free. He did come to set them free. So, and uh, that his heart is that Wherever there is captivity in our life, whatever things bind us, whatever things produce fear or angst or worry or any of those kind of things, he's come to set us free. And then we looked at what those things were. Not just the enemy of our soul standing against us, but our own thoughts, our own mindsets, our own arguments inside of us. The things that we think that aren't based in the truth of God's word and in in the grace that he's given us to look at those things. So it says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. It's not through willpower. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And then in the next verse, he, he tells us what he means by strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, we've all been taught a lot of things about that. I was taught that meant you had to obey in order to have right thoughts. I don't know if that's what you were taught. That was the pattern. But that's not what it's saying here. It says we take those thoughts captive to whose obedience? His obedience, the obedience of Christ. He did something for you that you couldn't do. He obeyed perfectly, without fault, without stumbling, without, without doubts, without... <sighs> you know, certainly in the garden there was some... Um, Things he worked through with God, and he decided that God's will was, was the thing that would harness him. And though he didn't want the want inside of him, the flesh part of him, didn't want to go through that, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Amazing. Um, I've had a few times through self-effort that I thought I got there. But really, the true prayer of our hearts is, I can't do this on my own. And then you remember, he did. He did. He didn't let us go through it on our own. He's not going to let us go through it on our own. He did it. He obeyed. Isn't that incredible good news? So with that, we look at strongholds. Another way of describing stronghold is a mindset or a mentality. It's places where we get stuck in thinking and thoughts 
vault themselves against the knowledge of God's truth. Last week we looked at the orphan mentality because there's some of these that hold true. We can look at the generalizations, not necessarily the specifics of each one of our lives because we all wrestle with different things. And my monster may not be your monster, but God knows what they are. And there, last week we looked at an orphan mentality. And it's in our approach to God how it's hard to get set free unless we realize those are the thoughts that are vaulting themselves inside of our self-talk, the talk that we say to ourselves. They vault themselves against the knowledge of tr- grace and truth in God. In looking at the orphan mentality, all of us, when we start looking at the characteristics of it, we understand that. I'm going to do a difficult one this morning. It's called the widow mentality. And it sounds like, well, you don't have any compassion for widows if you think a widow mentality is a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a thing that we can get trapped by. Um, because of this, it has its basis in the fear of abandonment and fruitlessness. Widows that go through this, and please, please understand, I have great compassion, uh, but it can also cause, when, it, when, it, when those circumstances get, a, get around widows, and I've seen widows wrestle with this, and I've seen widows who walked in a freedom that, con- most of them have walked in a freedom that conquered this. It can cause us to live lives without hope for a desired end or future. Widowhood has a way of stealing hope, especially for young widows. I've watched this. We had a dear friend that grew up under my youth ministry in Arizona, and then she became an adult and became a widow. And I watched her submit and embrace what God had done and allowed in her life and watched her get healed from that. And I'm going to read a scripture to that. You know, just like with the orphan mentality that I talked about last week, it can cause us to no longer see God and ourselves and our others through a kingdom perspective. You only see it through circumstances. Dealing with others through circumstances, you sometimes accomplish what you want, but dealing with others through a kingdom perspective, God accomplishes what he wants. He gets it worked into us. Um, Without that perspective, it can distort us, control us, and limit us from living in God's purposes in what the new covenant of his grace means for our lives. Widowhood is sad. Yes? I think it is. All of us are called upon by God and through his word to take care of widows and orphans. God has a prejudice in his word. It's for widows and orphans. You can find find it in the Proverbs. You can find it in the Psalms. You can find it in uh, some of the writings of the Old Testament prophets. You can find it in the New Testament. One one verse that jumps out is James 1.27, which says this, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Those are combined together. Um, and the great privilege, both Brenda and I, 
is the Lord, when we were uh, early, when we were young, <laughs> just a couple of years ago, well, no, going clear back to our Arizona days, the Lord had um, this plan of us getting connected with, with this woman who was a widow. And she was the mo- one of the most incredible believers that I ever got the privilege of getting to know and call friend in our lives. We met her through walking dogs. She had a, we were uh, raising huskies at the time, or I don't know if they, they were, huskies were raising something else. Uh, and, and doing that was difficult. And God that brought this wonderful woman named Laverne to the park and we met her through our dogs entangling. And we became friends. And she was the most wonderful Christian woman. And she had been widowed when she was young, raised five kids, and did it all God. And she had, what was so incredible is she wasn't trapped by any of the mental things or the circumstances. She got so free. It was amazing. It was just stunning to watch her life and to interact with her. And then later in life, she got cancer and watched her walk through that. And um, I can't wait to go to heaven. She's one of the first people I hope we get to, well, we, if I go before you, I hope I get to, to uh, interact with because she was such a witness in my life of how to live in freedom and who she was, and how she trusted God, and how God made a way for her every step of the way. He was prejudiced towards her. She was one of his favorites. With that widowhood, though, there's also a trap. For those of us who maybe haven't ever experienced that actual widowhood, but it's a place where we can get stuck in our view of self. In relationship to God, and it becomes a labyrinth of thinking that leads us away from freedom into slavery. Now remember Isaiah 61, he came to set captives free. We are not captive even when we are in reality, widows or widowers. That's the good news. That God didn't leave people who were widows trapped. If you look in biblical writings and biblical times and that, um, you can look at the story of Ruth and Naomi and how Naomi felt trapped. She, she had, you know, and just the circumstances of a widow not having somebody to take care of them and what that did. You do not literally have to be a widow to get caught in the trap of that mentality. Here's some of the characteristics of that type of mentality. You begin to, because life starts beating against you with the loss, you begin to start having a negative, pessimistic approach to life. Everything's from the negative point of view. It didn't work, it's not going to work, it will never work. Another one, another big uh, characteristic of this type of mentality you see yourself through shame and self-pity and undeserving forgotten forsaken by the way we're going to read a passage of scripture about that also the captivity with that is you're jealous of others blessings 
They get it because of, and I don't. So you start doing comparison. Comparison's such a trap, you guys. It is such a trap. It's not being confident in God being our supply. Um, this is a sticky one. Continually sorrowful and ungrateful. It's, it's hard to see the blessings even when they come because you're sorrowful. Hopeless and helpless. Man, back in my, my before Christ days, I can remember one of my uh, uh, favorite songs was uh, by Neil Young, Helpless. We are helpless, helpless, helpless. I'm going, why did I ever sing that depressing song and think it was good? I listen to it now, I start cringing, just going, oh, you know, and, and why did I ever listen to Bob Dylan's, uh, it's not dark yet, but we're almost there. It's like, oh, good grief. And we wrap ourselves in these depressing songs. That's how that mentality uh, gets on us. Here's a big one. Difficulty with receiving blessings. Even when you desperately want it, somebody comes into your life to give you a blessing and you tell them how unworthy you are to receive it and that you really can't take it from them. I got free of this mentality. <laughs> when that, I, I was that, especially that characteristics. Because I felt undeserved. Part of it was the orphan thing, I think, that was on me. But part of it was this, I didn't didn't deserve it so if you wanted to do something nice for me I had such a difficult time I wanted to be the one to go help others some of that was human pride but somebody coming to help me oh there's others that are worse off than me there was this inability to receive blessings since I have found the grace and love and acceptance of Jesus when people want to bless me I just go yep and receive it that's all you have. To, that doesn't have anything to do with arrogance. When somebody wanted to wants to bless you, when I started getting free in this, literally, I'd, and it's not just monetary blessings, but I've had people come up and hand me an envelope with blessing money in it, and go, ah, not because of who I was, but because the Lord instructed them to do it. Now, when you say, "Oh no, 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 no," I couldn't take that. Take it. It's God's blessing to you in the freedom of God bringing sweet gifts and restorations. Wouldn't you like a gift from God today? Not just monetary, just a special little, a little freedom blessing. Something you've been struggling with. And you just, like that. This is God's response. I, I love this passage of scripture through Isaiah. And he's speaking to a nation of people, but it also speaks to this mentality. This is Isaiah 54. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, 
for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. Like a youthful wife, when you were refused, says your God, for a mere moment, now he's talking about a big picture here. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. Through the prophet, he's looking to the forward to the time of Christ. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. When that anguish trap mindset cries out, God won't answer me, then it starts to take the shape of the, uh, almost a self-pity and undeservedness. And God in answer speaks this, I will be your rescue. I will be your sufficiency. I will, he makes it so intimate. I will be your husband. I will be the one that brings the provision in. I will take care of you. That's where the realm of God's grace and truth comes in. Whenever I feel, uh, this is such a hard one to, to acknowledge. Um, anybody ever been trapped by self-pity? You know it. The Lord's like, talk to you about it. Well, good. There's a couple people in here besides me. Like, I don't know whether it was my upbringing or what but I could start feeling sorry for myself. And uh, again, that got into comparisons and, and wishing this and wishing that and not understand why did they and not me. And um, it was really early on because God so pulled me out of this so easily. Uh, but I saw other people with the same stuff and they didn't get pulled out of it easily. And dear friends, I watched them become cynical about life and about hopelessness. What's the point? And I just went, oh, if God rescues, then God rescues and he can rescue me out of the self-pity. It's funny because self-pity, there, there was a man I once knew who, used, who taught this back, back in my early days and he said that self-pity was the doorway to insanity you start and what he meant was you're not going crazy you start thinking wrong insane means not thinking thinking sanely and he said well you get caught by that trap so God's promise is to set us free how truth of his word listen to Hebrews 13 let your conduct be without covetousness don't worry about other people be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What's the biggest fear that comes up in a widow mentality? I'm alone. I'm forsaken. We just read it in Isaiah. He describes that characteristics. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Why? So we may boldly say, so he actually answers the uh, why? So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. When the stronghold of self-pity starts rising up, what breaks it? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. And Bruce chooses a soundness of mind when that comes in again. Not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. He wants those, those thoughts that get held captive not to see that. Listen to Philippians 4. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God knows what you have need of. He said he'll supply. I love this one. This is 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God, this is a new covenant. This is the, the very covenant that God made in his death and resurrection. For all the promises of God in him are yes. What do, what do our minds need to align? Remember, we're aligning ourselves with freedom. Remember that part of this. What do we need to say to Yes. Yes. Yes, I agree. That's so strong. And in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. When I agree and say yes, that God's promise is He will never leave me, then it starts working through us, the Scripture says. How do you get there? How do you apply this stuff when you're feeling sorry for yourself or when you're comparing yourself or you don't feel like you're worthy, you're walking in the shame of I'm forgotten, God's passed over me? You live just with where the scripture where we started in 2 Corinthians, we live and war in the spirit. You pull down the strongholds by the declaration of God's truth. Wherever a faulty thought rises up, against God, these arguments inside of ourselves. And you go to his word. So I want to close with this and look at, at this one. Now remember, we talked about the realm of grace and that the realm of grace is an actual realm, a way of life in which we no longer have to strive for acceptance. God, you are accepted in the beloved based on Christ in you. Not what you do, don't do. Based on that, I am accepted by God. No one can steal that from me. Not even the own all agreement in my head. So the real key is seeing God. It's funny, the songs we sing and what the Lord was saying. Seeing God through love. So you go to 1 John 4. This is for those of you that are writing down the notes. Go to 1 John 4. You want to pray through this one. 12 through 19. Just listen to it. And let it, let it sink in where these, these self-pity and sorrow things just seem to crush our, our hearts and our way of thinking. It says in verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. Everybody's in the same boat. 
If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed, key words, the love that God has for us. When I pray this, I've known and I believe your love for me. It starts breaking up that rock wall that gets around our hearts. Love has been perfected among us in this. Wait a minute, I skipped one. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. This is where I need the overhead. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Ooh. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. When I begin to pray through that, and I tell God, I receive your love again right now, I feel alone. I feel abandoned. I feel forsaken. I feel like there's nobody there for me. When I turn that around and say, God, you're for me today. God, you love me. God, you so love me that you gave your son for my life. God, you restored, this can be hard, my widowhood. You restored my abandoned places. You restore the things that somebody else took away. Or that never happened, that I long for them to happen. You are the restoration of that. When I start praying that, and when you start praying that, something happens in the connection with the Spirit of God. And I tell you what, you can't break that smile into a frown. What do you mean? He's smiling down at you. He's smiling through Christ right at you. He's looking at where the weak places are and the arguments that try to vault themselves against the knowledge of God. He's looking down and goes, I'll be your helper. Now some people like this old movie and some people don't, but it's the old Wyatt Earp movie that's got uh, Val Kilmer in it who plays the role of, uh, what do you call it, Doc uh, Holiday. I, j- I just saw this on the internet again. And he always says, whenever they're in trouble, this is his, his response to Wyatt. I'll be your huckleberry. And you go, what? What does that mean? I'll be there. I'll be your friend. I'll be your easy pickings. I'll help. God looking down at you going, I'm your huckleberry kid. I'm going to be there for you. Not just kid. God looking at somebody who struggles with this kind of mentality and says, I'll be your husband. I'll be the one that took care of you. You feel forsaken, but I'm there. I won't abandon you. 
I won't walk away. He won't ever leave. He never forsakes. I start standing on that. Those strongholds break apart. The world of self-pity cannot build a wall to insulate me from who God is. And he loves to kick that wall down. When I try and rebuild that, when I start feeling sorry for myself, I don't even get one layer with fresh cement done anymore. He just doesn't go, no, nope, I'm with you. Nope, I'm your God. Nope, you're my favorite. Nope, you and I together just knocks it down. Let him knock down the wall. When you try and start building it again, stop. How do I stop? One word. Well, actually two words. You want to know what they are? They're not magic. They're powerful. You want to hear them? Okay, I'm not going to tell you then. You're not going to answer me. You want to hear it. Help! Jesus. Jesus, help. It's not some elaborate religious prayer. Oh, thou most high God who dwelleth in it. Stop it. You need his help. Help, Jesus. Help, Lord. The Lord is my helper. And it breaks it. It starts getting in there. Stand with me. I have to do another tough one next week, so, but I want you to come. And it's another mentality that gets at us through a strange thing that's happened in our society today. If you have ever felt these mentalities, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. All that does is reinforce them. Instead, cry out, help, Lord, and let him begin to unlock your heart. It's scary. It means you have to hope in the Lord again. And I know, you know, we all talk about this, like hope being a wonderful thing. I know hope stings. It stings to sometimes hope again. But I would not be telling you the truth if I didn't tell you to hope in Christ. Hope in God. Put your trust in Him. He can do this. He will do this. Lord, I pray for our hearts wherever they have felt captive. Each one of us, individually, and then we as the church. Lord, I don't want to stand outside of your courts. Like John Mark McMillan says, outside of the chain link fence, rattling it to try and get you to pay attention. There's no chain link fence. I come boldly to a throne of grace. I come boldly to a throne of grace and receive what you have for the, this morning. If you can pray this with me. I receive that you want to rescue me. I receive that you want to take care of me. I receive it, God. By faith, I declare it.
You love me. God is love. You love me. 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 You are love. You are care. You are all these things. You are Christ. And you're Christ in me. The hope of glory. I receive it this morning. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.